This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, raindrops. Yes, so I finally got merch. That's right. You can buy your allegedly, in my voice, mugs, T-shirts, raindrops, hoodies, and T-shirts all on carloskingshop.com. That's right. Get your hoodies, your T-shirts, and your mugs all on carloskingshop.com. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. On today's episode of Reality with the King, Kate and I are going to dissect the mind of Monica. Me and Kate 99.9% of the time agree on everything. The best thing about this conversation is I am talking to a woman who is like, Carlos, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. So, Kate, just like, utilize like the season the three-part reunion, the breaking news that Monica is not coming back to next season, and if you felt that was the right choice. I thought it was the right choice, and I like that their wording was, you know, for for right now, because it does open the door. Maybe there is a, there it will be an opportunity in the future, but I think for this moment in time, they need to take a break from her, and she needs a break from TV. She needs to recalibrate and figure out, do I want to be on a TV show as myself or do I want to continue trying to be a character? And if she wants to be a character, she has to pursue scripted work and not unscripted work. <laughs> that's her That's her hiccup right now. And I thought that very early into the show. I'm like, this is not somebody who's really portraying her real self. She's uh, clearly has an issue with lying, but she's... No, I don't know who this person is. And I don't know if I'm going to get to know who the real person is. So that was my hiccup with her from the beginning. But I I think that right now she needs a break from TV, but they also need a break from her too. And also, most importantly, and I think you, you could feel that, I'm assuming, watching last night, that the idea of somebody infiltrating a show as a super fan stalker dilutes the brand a bit. because. The idea of being on A Real Housewife is like, you're glamorous, you have access to really interesting people, you live in a beautiful home, you have this beautiful lifestyle. And she did not fit a lot of those boxes to begin with. And then to find out she was like this super troll, it gets a little TLC, if you will. And I don't think that that's what the network really wants. It should not be an attainable job. It should be unattainable, which is why we want to watch, because it's so dissimilar to our life. Okay, so I disagree with you. And, 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 and this is why. I watch Salt Lake City this season because our mutual friend, Aliza Rosen, she texted me, literally, Kate, she said, girl, 
you need to watch Salt Lake City because I was not watching it. And what I fell in love about this season, Kate, I felt like I was getting the Ramonica. I felt like her exposing the trials and tribulations with her mom was something I felt like that show was missing because you and I both love real story. Yeah. And yeah, and, and and I really I fell in love with her instantly after after sort of seeing her navigate the relationship with her mom and seeing how her mom reminded me of like the Latin version of like Mama Joyce, you know, or like mm-hmm. Mama D on Dallas, like those those very opinionated mothers who say things that make you like, oh shit, this woman really may be like off a rocker a little bit. But I, I really did enjoy that. And I never felt that Monica was playing a character, um, Kate. I did feel like Monica understood the assignment the way Kenya Moore understood her assignment when she came on the show, um, Atlanta Housewives, season five, and kind of like twirled her way onto it. I thought Monica was smart to say, I'm going to expose myself, which we'll get to that because that is irony within that. But when she exposed that, she slept with her brother-in-law, you know, her her past and and her issues with her mother. I appreciated that because for me, Kate, I understand that Bravo believes that mm-hmm. the sort of organizing principle of this franchise is real friendships of the elite women in these societies across the world. And that's not what the show is to me. And this is somebody who did Atlanta Housewives season one when Nene Leakes did not have a big house. She did not have all the money in the world, but she was a dynamic character who really made that show a success, right? And then I did season one of of Jersey, which again, the Manzos and Teresa and Joe obviously had the, the big house and all those things. But then you had Danielle Staub, who was the anti-elite. And without question, Danielle Staub made that show interesting. But Danielle, was, she was actually like connected to them. That's the only difference. Monica really wasn't. So Right, right, right. But when it comes to like this sort of call to action of like, we got to get the show back to its roots, um, the roots were already planted in bad seeds in the ground. And what was sprouting up good point. was this sort of like, sure, we think these people are rich, but I think as we're watching like these these shows, a lot of them had IRS issues. A lot of them filed for bankruptcy because a lot of them pretended to live up to this, again, to this hype of like, we're all glamorous and rich when half these women weren't. So I appreciated Monica for being the anti that. I get that. I do think the element of her mother is interesting. But once I saw the Easter dinner scene, I didn't feel like that was authentic. I felt like that those were two women who had many conversations beforehand in broad scope, just like what it means to be on the show, what works, what doesn't. And then right before that event, like, okay, what is our strategy when we go into this? And that I felt was very obvious. And that didn't feel right to me. And that felt too much of somebody playing a character that they have studied or want, you know, they've kind of perceived themselves to be and is missing from a show. And I think that goes against the flow of the show and what they really ultimately want, which is a group of women to kind of live their lives out loud while cameras film them. Once they get too much into their head and they're like, well, the audience likes, 
Monica has studied every minute of the show. And that's not to say that other housewives have not watched the show. This takes another turn, though. This is somebody who thinks poorly of everybody, looks down at the show, thinks they're better than the show, watch every frame of it, and then really took the most absurd lengths to infiltrate themselves into it. And I feel like that became a little bit way too dark. So again, I said, I, I don't know for the rest of time, she may never return to the show, but at least just one season she needs to go off. So I, I want to get into your opinion on this season. You have been watching Salt Lake City since season one, right? Well, I want to be upfront that I'm I'm like a lot of people. I think I'm, you know, it's, it's you're torn because I thought the show was boring <laughs> and I did watch this season. But I'm always very mindful. I'm always thinking of short-term, long-term, short-term, long-term. How does this, how, what, how does this going to work out five minutes, five days, five months, five years from now? And I just kept thinking, I don't know how this is going to, this is setting a bad precedent and this is going to get hairy, you know, five months from now, you know, five seasons from now. Short-term, she was great for switching up the show and, you know, adding some different elements. And to your point, you know, the high low of it all. Like I live in a casita, just like a Gina, but a lot of people hate Gina and Orange County for the same reason. Like your kids don't hang out with any of these broads. You don't live anywhere close to them. You live in a casita. You don't belong here. I'm surprised people don't see the same, you know, of Monica, but also the diabolical part of driving by homes, trying to get a job with Jen, getting, um, you know, having equipment installed in, in her house, still having the login information, listening. That's the part that's so dark to me that she would sit and listen to conversations going on in Jen Shaw's house and then use that as currency against current cast members. I would assume for you behind the camera, you'd be like, this is hard to navigate because it's wildly fascinating TV in some respects. It's also pretty dangerous. Yes, let's get into that. So one thing that Andy Cohen said on part three reunion was. I had a greater reaction to Monica saying to me that production knew. The first time I interviewed, I talked about it in my home with production. That this was You their told plan. them in casting? Yeah, the first time. If you said I run a and it burner matter, account, I I, I, we wouldn't have cast you. Okay. We obviously knew that she had worked for Jen Shaw, that she had um, turned on Jen Shaw, and we obviously thought that that was um, interesting and noteworthy. If we would have known about Reality Vontees, we would have planted seeds earlier on in the episode so that it would have paid off and made much more sense when you found out who and what it was. So... I own a production company. I create shows. I cast women and men. If someone would have said to the casting producer, I have a blog, and this blog really talks crap about the Huntsville cast, absolutely not. You will you, you, you just won't be hired, right? You just, you just wouldn't be. Right. Because it is my job to make sure that you're not coming on the show to utilize this platform of the show to take your strong opinions where you have eviscerated the cast to no degree and then you want to like become friends with them i 
would have said no as well. And that's just me being completely honest. Now, what I did find interesting is this. Monica alleged that the casting producer did know that she was a part of a blog. Do you buy that? No, I don't believe anything that she says. That's the problem. I don't believe one thing that she says. I think she's a very loose relationship with the truth. And I think that we sh- saw evidence of that when the, the first part of the reunion, where they showed the original email that she sent, which goes against what she uh, said on the television show. She said, I, you know, I told them, you know, I'm all these things. Your show sucks. You need me. And then you look at the email. It was completely different. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't believe she said that. In no way. And also, the idea that a production company would know information like that and allow you to be part of their project, when they're doing everything they can to de-escalate social media trolling, because it causes so much distress for the cast members. It makes it difficult for them to cast the show. It makes it difficult for people to stay on the show. And it really disallows them from keeping them in some sort of like safe bubble during the duration of filming. So that made no sense to me. I think that's the problem too with, you know, anybody you hire. It doesn't matter if you own a production company, make a reality show, or you have an office. Would a boss want to employ somebody who makes up lies all the time? Would you like that? Would you like to work with somebody that you completely distrusted and I said this on social media and I got ripped apart, but it's true. Like she's a potential liability. And people were like, well, Jen was liable. Jen was a liability. And guess what? She's in prison and she's not on the show anymore, is she? Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the legal part of like, if you're of counsel for the network, mm-hmm. you're going to tell me they're not going to go, you know what? Let's have a couple conversations about this cast member and what's going on because they're always looking for potential precarious situations. This to me would be one of them. Yeah. And, and I think. This, if again, I, I want to relate it back to myself because I want the audience to know how this process works in, in casting somebody and putting them on the show and then seeing what happens. If someone slipped through the cracks of our casting process on one of my shows and they turn out to be a blogger. Now, look, I have a cast member on my show, Huntsville. Her mother was a part of this Facebook group blog where she would have very strong opinions about another cast member. Her daughter got on the show, right? So again, you know me, Kay, I follow the families. Her mother had very strong opinions about another cast member. And we were all like, why do you dislike this woman so much? She then revealed, I watched the show, and I also am a fan of it so much that I was a part of this Facebook page. And we, in that moment, we all realized okay, this is odd, but we allowed her to tell her truth, right? Because again, she was a part of her daughter's storyline. If if a Monica slipped through the cracks of my production and I saw what she brought to the show, I would definitely take inventory of the, the bigger picture of like, okay, let's look at things from the grand scheme of things, right? Based on what I've seen, Kate, right? Did Monica come in and and infiltrated herself into the, the group? I think we all can say yes. Like, she definitely yeah. did that. What I'm having a hard time grasping, Kate, is this. Was it that bad to the point where, allegedly, the women were telling production after they rap, she's dangerous, we don't feel safe around her, 
we don't want her around because for me, when Heather revealed that Jen Shaw gave her a black eye, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that was the most crock of bullshit and irony for Heather to sit up there and and defend Jen until she pled guilty. And I want people to understand this. Heather was team Jen until she pled guilty. So you have this woman punching you in the eye, giving you a black eye, which to me is the most abhorrent thing that a cast member can do. You're punching somebody in their mm-hmm. eyeball. Yeah. But you're okay being around her. But this woman who was wrong. And I want to state this very clear. Monica was wrong. She was wrong to create pages talking smack about these women and not telling them. But why is what she did so bad that she can't be around you, but Jen Shaw can? I think that if you scratch the surface, there's probably something far darker. Like Jen Shaw was exceptional at what she did, which was conning people. And she could get information out of people. I wonder often how much she knows about all of these women. Yes. And then Monica knows it too. And so really to me, by the end of the finale, I was watching a group of women sitting on a couch, still very terrified that someone has information on them. And I don't know what that may be, if it's financial or emotional or some deep, dark family secret. I don't know what it is, but... There's a stranglehold that hovers. It's a cloud that hovers over that show. And I think Monica, you know, does, if you look at the Von Teese post, they don't seem that bad. Of course, I know a lot of them have been scrubbed. But I think for the outsider, you're kind of like, okay, it wasn't that successful of a troll account. Right. You know, I don't know, like, like 9,000. I'd never heard of it before. Um, in fact, I think Monica was very angered that it wasn't, you know, you don't know what Von Teese is. Like, I think she wanted like more celebration of this account that I don't think that many people knew about. Yeah, I never heard of it. But it just shows me that whatever information Jen had, I'm like, I don't, I'm not suggesting that she was in business with them or whatever, but there's something that she knows about all of them collectively and each single housewife that is so dark that, Monica must know know too. And it makes this show right now feel really odd, doesn't it? Like, I need to know what it is. Oh, yes. That's the problem. Yes. I want to know. So the whole thing with the being punched in the face, I was like, well, first of all, I kept thinking of you in that scene because I kept thinking, who was almost fired because of that? How, like, what, can you walk people through that so they understand that? Because yes. it, it's not something that we should just smooth over and run through. There is a whole process that's put in place if there is this suggestion that someone violently attacks somebody, what the crew members mm. have to go through, th- that process, because again, like that is a big, big deal. And, and I will go on record saying to me, that's, that's worse than what Monica was doing. Um, because these producers, production crew, they work 12 hours a day, six days a week. They're leaving their families to make an honest living. Um, They aren't getting paid millions of dollars like these housewives are, right? To work four months and they get paid $2 million and get to like have brand deals. I was so disgusted by Heather 
blaming production and a producer that to me, I feel like that should be cause for some sort of consequence. Because when that happens, and this is speaking as the owner of a production company, if talent alleges that producers or production, right? Uh, I'm not sure she named one person in particularly, or she just made it very gray, right? In terms of like production and producers, maybe they hit me. Uh, maybe they took the the footage and, and edited it out. To make these gross accusations, Kate, you have to do an investigation and, and investigate your production team. And, and, and I want people to really know this is serious. You have to not only investigate it, you have to put these poor people through this process of now they're being questioned. And the way it works in, 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 in reality shows, Kate, we're all freelancers. So right. they have to like leave one show to work on the next. If there's any sort of like shadow of doubt of this person's integrity or the production integrity, that could cost them working at a, on another show. Kate, I was so fired up by that. And to me, it wasn't funny. And the fact that she said, oh, it was funny. I was making a joke. Why is that funny? Why are you right. why are you women okay with your castmate lying on production and doing it, Kate, so freely publicly, trying to promote her book and, and making jokes about it? That to me is not okay. And I feel like there should be some level of consequence for that. If Monica has to sit out because she needs to work through her friendships with these ladies, what is the mm-hmm. punishment for Heather? For lying on production and the fact that they're innocent in all of this. I I was so disgusted by Heather and still am very disgusted by her. Yeah. What what would would be an appropriate consequence? Oh, it's t- to me, it's sort of like obviously I'm not a lawyer, right? But I think it could range anything from like suspension for a few weeks of work, a huge public apology. And to me, this is why I call bullshit on this sort of like, well, we had to get rid of Monica because she didn't do a good job at apologizing to her castmates. Huh? Okay, if that's the case, whatever. Heather did not do a good job at apologizing to her producers. If I was a production person on that show, and, and, this, and I'm being very honest, and this Kate is coming from somebody who was lied on by a reality star. I know what it feels like, Kate, for a reality star to lie on you. And Kate, that, that still follows me. No matter yeah. what happens, it's always like the trolls who say, well, Carlo, you told somebody, I never said it. I never said it. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to say, well, the producer, you know, made me say that. Whatever. Because all these reality stars love to blame the producer. It's like an easy thing to say. Because that person's faceless. That's the problem. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a discrepancy in power. Yes. 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 So... I, if I was a producer on that show, I would feel very uncomfortable being around Heather. I, I and I'm and I mean this. I no, I, that makes sense. To as me. a producer, yeah. as a camera operator, an audio person, a, a PA, I would be so afraid being around Heather because it's one of the things where she, if she felt so comfortable, not only saying it once, Kate, but going on a press tour saying it, mm-hmm. I would feel uncomfortable being in her home being around her children um, because she may say things like, I think he stole something or I think she did this to me. 
I think that needs to be a bigger level conversation than what it is. Well, no, I think what you're saying is that there there are two layers of trust to make a successful show. There's the trust within the cast members, which makes filming, you know, honest storytelling possible. And the other layer is the, the trust that the crew has with the cast members and vice versa. And what you're saying, and I think this is a very important conversation, very illuminating, is that there are two violations there that are going on in one show. One, the surface that we see, which is the cast member distrust. But this is a distrust within the producing sphere. And while it's not always visible to people, it's very much there. And it makes the process of making a successful show really difficult to do so. So I think that that's a problem that they need to address. So I think what my answer to be would for, for this would be maybe suspend Heather for a while, hold Monica, you know, for a season or something. Just to, it, there, there just needs to be some time for the women to kind because they're filming right away and they need some space. But you got to get new people in because yes. these shows do not exist on one or two housewives. You have to bring in new things, and if we want to tell. Honest storytelling, which has been very difficult up until now, I think, like honest friendship, like people completely cracking themselves open, production feeling like they are, you know, entrusting that the cast members will allow them to help them tell their stories. Those things need to happen. Oh, 100%. Because at this point, to me, Heather is a liability. And we have to start really putting our love with the crew because they are the unsung heroes of this operation. And any production, whether scripted or unscripted, you're nothing without your crew. And that's why I appreciate when I have reality stars on my podcast and they're able to say, like, I love my crew. I miss those guys. So I I do agree with you with that. Shifting gears a little bit, where do you think the show goes from here? Because I believe you and I spoke about this on my podcast, too, in terms of, like, where does Monica go from here? And for me, what I would have liked to have seen, and again, guys, I produced the first two seasons of New Jersey. So we had Danielle Staub, who obviously, after the table flip, she was on an island, like a complete island. So they brought her back to season two. The mistake that Danielle made, and I said this to her on my podcast and she agreed, the biggest mistake Danielle made season two, she did not want to befriend those other women. Yeah, That was not a smart thing to do. You can't be on an ensemble show, Kate, because you're right. Listen, there's breakout stars, there's force multipliers, but it is an ensemble show and you need everybody to play the game. The, the game of like, where we want to be real and make good television. Danielle having a whole nother life within the show with Kim G and Kim D and then Danny, the security guard. And and and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Kate, I was there that season. And she she said this on my podcast. Because I was her producer season one, she was mad at me because she said, you didn't protect me. I'm like, protect you from what? Like, stop using those words, reality stars. We're producing a show. So I was not her producer for season two. And she literally, Kate, iced herself out of the collective. Because this is the thing that we wanted. Jacqueline, Teresa, they were okay with filming with her. They wanted to address the elephant in the room. Dina Manzo, to her fucking credit, Kate, Dina Manzo said, let me film with Danielle before I leave. Because she understood this is what the fans want and I need to get this out of my system. The closure. The closure. I felt like if Monica came back next season, my one advice for Monica would have been, you have to try to make things right. 
And, you do. and if you don't succeed, then yes, there's no way you could film a show. I'm a witness to it, to where you're on a complete island. But I would yeah. have liked Kate to have seen this filmed. I think um, the problem with Monica right now is she's got the full pedal on the gas. And like bringing that dumb burn book, which was like very infantile, just shows you she's so far from understanding the point that you just made. I mean, if she were smart enough, which is weird because she's watched every frame of the show and she studied <laughs> the dynamics with her mom and all of that. But wouldn't she have known by the end of the last part of the reunion, you make amends, you go into the next season, you bring somebody flowers at lunch, you go to their house, you pretend you're interested in their kids, you do the whole thing. She's missing that. She's got full pedal to the gas right now. Yeah, the burn book was a flop. And I, I and listen, I love Monica. <laughs> it, uh, Kate, I was like, this was not a good idea. No. Who told you to do it? Your glam squad? Was it your PR? Your social media manager? Like, somebody should have said no. Somebody should have right. advised her to, like, defend yourself, own up to the things that happened, and apologize. I would have looked at every woman on that stage and said, I know I fucked up. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I know it's going to take some work to get you to earn your trust, just like it took work for you, Meredith and Lisa, to work through your issues. I am asking for the same. If I, 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 would, I would like to prove to you ladies that I'm not that same person anymore. And I will appreciate some grace in that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, listen, would they have said, sure, maybe not. But I think to your point, the audience is on Monica's side, but I think she would maybe have had 99.9%. Even, even you, Kate, I'm assuming, because I think you would appreciate a little bit of humility. Well, the one part, one thing that I did like this season was when she said, you know, I spent a ton of money just to have a bag just so I could feel like you guys wouldn't like accept me. That was yeah. gr a great scene. So if she had said, I went off the rails, I so badly wanted to be part of the show because... I feel like I'm just like you. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I'm like trying to be the best mom I can. I've made some bad decisions in my, you know, relationships and I got way ahead of myself. But the truth is, I really love and respect all of you and I would like to make up for it. I want to spend time with you. Like, oh, she doesn't even have to say that. She could just like show up at Beauty Lab and bring flowers and say, can I mop the floors? Okay. She could make it so funny, but I'll she doesn't okay, yeah. <laughs> think. I'm like, call me. I'll tell you what to do. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. No, that's the thing. I, I could not agree more in the sense of I would have liked to have seen that, but it didn't happen. Um, but I keep going back to what I, listen, Housewives will always go down in history as one of the greatest franchises that was ever created. Shout out to Scott Dunlop, like genius mind to create something about women behind the gates that has springboarded into being an international fucking hit, right? What I love about this conversation, Kate, is that I was there from the beginning of two big franchises, Atlanta and Jersey. And what I do miss is at least seeing a person try to make amends. And if it failed, then go about your business. And I was shocked that she was let go. But I don't think she's totally let go. 
The language doesn't say that. I think people on social media jump to that conclusion. But if you read the Variety interview with Lori Gordon, who's a showrunner, and Lisa Shannon, executive producer, that's not the language they use. It's more like just we're taking a hot minute. It's like maybe even they use the phraseology, phraseology we included pause. It doesn't sound like they're completely closing the door. They said we're having ongoing conversations about this all the time. Where does the show go from here, Kate? Because I wasn't going to watch this season. Aliza Rosen and the Raindrops made me watch it, and I thank them for it. I don't think you're going to watch next season either. I don't think you're going to watch next season. I know that there are rumors about two additions, two uh, additions to the show. Um, I don't know much about them. I am still annoyed that they have not taken my advice and hired my friend Shannon because she is a Mormon mother of five who is a former Utah jazz dancer. She goes out dancing. She doesn't seem to be what you would think of a Mormon, but is a practicing Mormon. And if you're going to tell the story of Salt Lake City, don't you want to have practicing Mormons? I don't know. So I think that they found... Well, it seems to be even in that Variety article that they found Mary Cosby and they thought she was a really interesting character. Mm -hmm. And they thought, how could we build around this? And then they find Lisa Barlow and Lisa Barlow was like, let me find a bunch of people. But it's not telling the story of Salt Lake City. I asked you one of the first episodes we ever did. You go, you know what? It could be Real Housewives of Scottsdale and it would make no difference to me. It doesn't tell the story of that city. So you got to go back to that. Who are the women that live there? What is the lens through which they live? Of course, you're going to have, you know, all different kinds of personalities, but there has to be some thread line that's similar. And I don't think that exists now. And that's the problem. And that's why you could have somebody like Monica take a bowling ball and like just blow through the place because there wasn't any sort of thread line connecting them all together. No, I could not agree with you more about that. What is missing from Salt Lake City is the sort of the overview of the backdrop of the city. When you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they do a great job at like exposing Beverly Hills. You know, when they bring up, well, honey and and Kathy Hilton, honey and Beverly Hills, you just don't do that. Honey and Beverly Hills is about the bag. They do a great job. Atlanta, it was all about like, you know, these very Mm -hmm. much like um, powerful women who are like super funny and like they dress very differently and it's the accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with Jersey, Jersey smelled, taste everything like Jersey. It was very much like yes. the hair and the act. Salt Lake City could be anywhere in the world. So when it comes to your friend Shannon, who I haven't even met yet, but on paper, she sounds like somebody I would be interested in. And I, I, I do think. Listen, it's going to take a Hail Mary to give me to watch next season unless Aliza texts me. But I need to say this. I really wish the women were more business savvy because I would have said, look, you guys Mm -hmm. were on the level of the Real Housewives of Dallas. When they got rid of Leanne Locken, I'm not here to judge anything. But when they got rid of Leanne Locken... I think we all sort of knew that that show was doomed. Yeah. You know, it was, and again, not one person makes the show, but one person is the force multiplier. They kind of know how to like make things happen the way Tamara Judge resurrected OC. So I really wish the women would have said, look, is she crazy? Are we scared of her? Yeah, but I, I, Kate, this would be me. Hey, let, let her come back so that we can like, you know, really like, 
drain her and like talks, you know, like let's 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 really go to town on her. But the fact that they yeah. didn't see that, they're missing the mark, and that's why you have a Teresa Judice and a Heather Gay. Because Teresa knew Carlos. She would say this to me, Kate. Bring mm. where is Danielle? I need her. Right. Where is she? Why aren't we filming with her? Like right. I, I, they're very savvy. Teresa yeah. was like, "Bring her on. I don't give a shit. Bring her on." Um, and I really wish these women were smart enough to say, "We are in the Los Angeles Times." And I, I sometimes wonder, Kate, if the jealousy of Monica being the breakout star created the atmosphere where they just wanted her gone as well. Well, you know, you've got Jen and she's got a stranglehold on the show. And then, you know, you're on the show for years and years and you feel like you've cracked yourself open and you've like exposed your life and then someone else comes in. And then they also, on top of it, may have all these secrets of yours and they know it and maybe they're taunting you with it. That's what I think is happening behind the scenes. Yes. It's the taunting. It's like, I know all of the secrets. I know where everything's buried. And if you really want to fuck with me, those stories will come out. And I think that that's the terror that you saw on the couch. But to me, I'm like, that's mob wives. Tell me what is really going on. (laughs) Yes. You know, because this doesn't real. this seems so just like disjointed. Yes. You're 1000% right. I think the other women are afraid of what Monica knows and they want her gone before she, she she spills the tea. It might not even be what they think. Like they might, maybe she goes, "Well, I know X Y Z," but they know that she was listening into Jen's conversations <laughs> in her house. So it's the fear of what they don't know that she knows. You know what I mean? Like Jen was very good at what she did, and maybe there there's a fear like I don't know what she knows. It just hit me. The reason why Heather revealed. Jen gave her the black eye. She wanted to be the first person to say it because she knew that Monica knew. Which is a great strategy. Yes. That's the best thing you can do. Let me be the one to spill my own tea. And maybe we need to go back and look at the footage because we need to see Monica's face after she revealed that. What, did she look deflated? Yes. Because that just happened on Southern Charm where uh, Taylor knew that Olivia had made out at one point years ago with Thomas Ravenel. And Olivia said, I'm just going to put it out in the world because I can see what you're trying to do. And you were the only person that I told, and you're about to try to weaponize it. So I'm just going to put it out there. And then it just totally deflated the other girl because she's like, oh shit, that's, that was the, the power. That was what she had over her. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Kate, we cracked the code because we all felt like, why would you, <laughs> it, it came out of nowhere. It came mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And I think Tanisha, allegedly, I think Tanisha gave Heather a heads up hey, she knows that Jen gave you the black eye. Yeah. And I think Heather said, as I go to this dinner exposing Monica, let me reveal this myself so that Monica doesn't say it for me. Because because Heather had no intention of revealing that information if she didn't think that Monica would say it first. So that goes to show you that these women know that Monica knows a lot about them, courtesy of being an eavesdropper in Jen's home. Which is insane. Can you imagine if you found out you had an assistant that was listening for hours to all your conversations? That's a terrifying idea. Then you go back in your head and you're like, oh my God, what did I talk about? Did What did I reveal something? That's what's going on is this like fear of like, I don't even know what Monica knows. 
They don't even know what she might know. In the words of Lisa, I'm shaking. I'm physically shaking. Wow, we just cracked the code. Thank you so much for hopping on Reality with the King. I could not have done this episode with anybody else but you. Seriously. I want to tell your listeners how if they are ever in a point where they're like, I don't know what to watch this week. I want them to go to my what to watch list. Just sign up. It's free at katecasey.substack.com because every Monday I'll tell you what to watch. I'll give you like eight things to watch each week. And I'm telling you, I bring couples together, friends together because I tell you what to watch and then you have something to talk about at work or something to watch on the couch with the people that you live with. So just please go check that out. And of course, listen to my podcast. Do all of the above. And it's called Reality Life with Kate Casey. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at dcarlosking underscore on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and yes, baby, my YouTube channel where you can get all of my visuals, baby, my expressions. Yes. And don't forget, tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag realitywiththeking. Reality with the King is a production of Kingdom Reign Entertainment. It is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks and executive produced by me, Carlos King. Kingdom Rain Entertainment, baby! baby.